Hey, what's up, you wild souls? My guest today is the wild and wonderful Richard Vixinic. Richard is a doctor of naturopathic medicine, and in my eyes, he's actually living the dream. He is a friend that I am truly inspired by, from one, his connection to the land, and two, his knowledge in all things holistic and alternative health. If you are thinking about buying land to rewild or offer healing and workshops, or even if you want to build an off-grid home or a home that has a very low environmental footprint, then you are going to love this episode. I have learned so much from Richard's journey back to the land and what all goes into building a home that is an extension of the land and works in harmony with your biology. We touch briefly on the concept of building biology, which I find super fascinating, and I'm going to leave some uh, resources in the show notes for you guys. Richard runs a naturopathic medicine practice with his wife, Christina, who is also a naturopathic doctor in London, Ontario, Canada. Their practice, Village Naturopath, offers deep nature connection services outside of their clinical practices, as well as individual and group workshops that are hosted on their herb farm, which is now the site of their lovely new home, as you'll hear today on the land in Port Stanley. And you may notice I said the land and not their land, as Richard and his wife are true stewards of the land they call home, as you will hear today. I was actually thinking how blessed I am to have Richard in my corner or have had him in my corner as my naturopathic doctor for many years. It reminds me that long gone are the days when, where we used to have a personal relationship with our healers and doctors. And healers in indigenous communities often have a personal relationship with those who are needing the healing. And actually it wasn't long ago that even Western medicine had done house calls, and we had that personal relationship with our healers, which I think is so very important for good health and healing. So what's cool about my relationship with Richards is actually that it has evolved as of late, and now we're actually working on some exciting projects together, not only with this podcast, but some other important initiatives around herbal medicine and some of the enjoying some of the fruits from his lands, which I will be telling you guys more about as things progress. So what exactly does L-A-N-D, as the title of the show implies? It means, well, it's a simple, brilliant little acronym, actually, that Richard had shared with me, and it is Live As Nature Does, which I absolutely love. So Richard says in this episode, and I so agree with this, that rewilding is not a place he has arrived at, nor is he heading there. And I'd like to echo this as I also share this sentiment and the call he, and I think so many of us, have to get back to the land or live as nature does. So I just really resonate, that really resonates with me um, because I see rewilding again as a process rather than say an end game or a lifestyle. So in the true anarchist spirit of the word rewilding or in some definitions of rewilding, I say boo to identifying with say any one brand of a lifestyle, right? So, um, you know, no one I know who actually is engaged in rewilding activities, come to think about it, um, or even has that rewilding mindset, calls themselves a rewilder, right? So I try to stay away from identifying with any isms for many reasons, but one main reason I will say is I've spent long enough time in nature meditating, meditating in general, and that's done me a lot of good in my life. And one main benefit from this is I really truly do believe that now I I only identify with what I see as the truth, and that truth is that I, at the very core, am a part of nature, I am a part of the wild, a part of the entire universe, beyond earth, the whole cosmos, the whole thing. In fact, I believe that I am everything and everyone, and you are me and I am you, so mind blown, right? But I digress as I am getting at, what I'm trying to get at essentially is that we need to create bonds, not barriers to communication just because someone defines or experiences something, say like a lifestyle brand that some identify with as rewilding um, or say like veganism or paleo or whatever, like it could be Buddhism. It, it just, it's kind of religious dog, dogmatism, which I just don't, I just don't live by essentially. I just believe that I'm one with the nature and I'm with the nature. I believe that I'm one with nature and I'm cool with that. So actually one really good book, again, always comes to mind when talking about this kind of us versus them mentality that just plagues the internet and things like that these days is the book Braving the Wilderness by Brene Brown. And she does a great job talking all about the false dichotomy and things of that sort. So anyways, I digress. If you want to rewild or reconnect with the land or be in nature, 
do that however you want, but please just do it, all right? If you want a place where everyone is loved and included and you can learn how to align your life with the cycles of nature, then you are in the right place. We've got something for everybody here on this show and much love to you guys all for listening. So in today's episode, we talk about Richard's journey to returning to the land, as I mentioned, and some of the practices he actually did um, to connect with his land. So some of these practices I thought were really neat and we started to get into them, different observation uh, techniques and whatnot. And uh, we actually just start to scratch the surface on deep nature connection, which we will dive into in a future episode. So if you also believe, as Richard and I do, that connecting with nature in a conscious and intended way can facilitate a reconnection to our most vital and potent ecological, psychological, and biological selves, then you guys are going to love this episode. Richard has a wealth of knowledge on the subject of nature connection and natural medicine, so it was a pleasure to pick his brain and hear his story of how he arrived to where he is today because truly it was an honor to get to interview someone at this such an amazing time in their life as you'll hear here in this episode. So Richard always makes me laugh while educating the heck out of me. In fact, his uncle Milan uh, pays us a visit at the end of the show and this guy loves herbs and will teach you everything he knows about them like an old Eastern European uncle and just talk your ear off. But anyways, so please stick around for that. Welcome to Rewild My Bio, a self-help and alternative health podcast. I'm your host, Sean Slade. Join me as I share stories, science, and strategies to help you rewild your biology and redefine your biography. everybody welcome to yet another episode of rewild my bio i am super pumped to be in front of you guys today because i have my good friend and colleague in co-hosting perhaps here we'll see how he does today richard vixenic richard welcome to the show thanks sean thanks for having me no pressure yeah no pressure at all it's always on me when uh you know someone's new to the podcast game It, it totally puts it on me and that's what this show's kind of been like so far. It's been like me me having friends coming in and yeah. interviewing every, people are new, experts in their fields, tons to tons to share with the world. I know that, so I just uh, I try to just facilitate the conversation, let their brilliance come through. So yeah, I'm super stoked to be here. Yeah, um, you know I've I know you've been working on this podcast for a while now, and uh, it uh, touches on a lot of things that I'm personally uh, and professionally passionate about, and. Right. Um, you know, I'm a bit old school. I haven't really dived into, you know, my list of top 12 podcasts that I like to listen to. Like I'm, you know, I don't really do that. Right. So Mm. this has got me excited to kind of dip my toe into this, this sort of world. The the online world really, right. Which is, I'm excited to have you in that. I'm glad that you haven't already started your own channel because if you did, it'd be highly successful. So the fact that I've gotten, got you in here and we can kind of, we can harness that and make some beautiful podcasts together. I think it's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, welcome in that regard. And uh, yeah, I guess today I kind of just wanted to have a nice, easy go and talk about, like you said, uh, you very much are a rewilder in my eyes. Um, and you and I have shared uh, many workshops together that we've done. And I'm sure we'll chat about that today, but different things in uh, like survival skills, uh, meditation, uh, so much things that I think uh, is relevant to the show. So when I was starting to think about this show, I'm like, I need a... Uh, I need a good co-host who's actually up on all things rewilding. And then, of course, you came to mind. Right on. So here we are. But let's uh, let's do that because talking about rewilding and your journey into it, I've done an episode where I kind of explained my take on rewilding. Yeah. And I know we even, we've chatted a lot about it recently over lunch and that. And uh, it's an interesting term, one. It's interesting movement, too. Got many different meanings. And I think, truthfully, I think it, it means something different to everybody and everybody's going to practice that differently based on their own uniqueness. Right. So mm-hmm. and much using the analogy of say nature, it's just like a, a, a yard with a bunch of uh, grass, one blade of grass over in this neck of the woods is going to need almost the same sunlight, water, that stuff, but it's going to be different because it's getting different sunlight and water, different drainage and all that stuff. So yeah, again, we're all going to be that uniqueness. So I just kind of want to harness some of that uniqueness here of yours and share that with everybody. So tell us, I guess, um, you're into, so if we didn't say yet, um, 
you're a naturopathic doctor. And that's actually how Richard and I met is that Richard was my naturopathic doctor. Gosh, like what, eight, nine years ago? Something like that. Something like that. And I'd say it was, uh, yeah, almost like right when I moved into London, Ontario, got into holistic lifestyle coaching and that, and I figured I can't, can't do this on my own. So I don't even, I'm thinking now how I even found you. It was one you of just those. just shot me an email. And I was yeah, like, no, it was, it, was, it was internet. And then I just like, actually what I read is exactly what I wanted you, you to share because it's an awesome story. I read your, your bio about um, your wild bio of uh, your travel experiences. And then you really resonated. You almost like had the same energy about you as uh, Chris Cresser to me. Okay. Which, which awesome podcaster, actually the first podcast I've ever listened to. And, um, but like super into functional medicine and that, and obviously like a paleo diet template, uh, promoter or a more ancestral diet, I should say. And so I kind of like, he had a same similar travel story where he got sick and onward and right. into his own health journey. So yeah, if you don't mind sharing with the folks your yeah. journey. So I mean, journey to rewilding. So rewilding is an interesting term for me because I never really thought of it in that context right Uh, Right. I mean the closest thing I would get to in my brain was like I'm a back to the lander I want to get back to the land right I want to simplify things the point I don't think any I don't think any rewilder calls himself a rewilder right okay yeah yeah but I mean I I think we We are it's it's good to package these things uh, and sort of dialogue (laughs) them right yeah no it is it is you're creating dialogue around it and again it's a it's a wild west in in Mm. this thing so yeah, again, people don't necessarily call it that, but they're getting back in connection with the land, right. for sure. Yeah, yeah. and so I, that's why I appreciated that uh, yeah. second set, that second episode you did where you just kind of really broke it down a little bit. Nice. Um, and so I guess when you asked me the question of my journey to rewilding, um, the challenge in answering that is that I don't know that rewilding is a place that I've gotten to or I'm going necessarily. Mm-hmm. Or um, yeah. a complete uh, end to any sort of journey, right? Well said. Um, that being said, I'll put it in the context for my own way of sort of digesting this is, um, you know, how my journey towards, you know, connecting with nature yeah. or staying connected with nature or reconnecting mm-hmm. with the natural world and with certain elements of myself, I suppose, Um and I mean, it goes back to just early childhood exposures, yeah. essentially. Um, you know, I grew up in urban Toronto, uh, near Lake Ontario, just a couple of kilometers off the lake. So I had a lot of time down by the lake with, you know, ride my bike down kind of thing. Um, but it was a suburban sort of upbringing in a lot of right. ways. Uh, but, you know, first generation Canadian. Right. Uh, both my parents came from the old country, from Slovenia, uh, where there's just, you know, especially back then, but even now, just a different relationship to plants, for example, uh-huh. a different relationship to the land, because you know, either you're a farmer or you're, or you're not, right? right? Yep. Um, so, you know, just all of that infusing my childhood, ice fishing with my dad. On Lake Ontario? Creek, uh, no, oh. up like oh, okay, cool. Cool. Zinkoe, that yeah. sort of thing. Right on. Um, so just these exposures, right, uh, as a kid, and that just became part and parcel of Know what you do you you go roast chestnuts in yeah. a urban forest and right. you know as your aunts and uncles and parents drink mulled wine you run around with your cousins you right. play in the river or in the creek yeah. whatever so those those are sort of the starting points mm-hmm. um, but I think some of the sort of next level things for me were as a kid being able to have the opportunity to go back to the old country to Slovenia my dad's village right um, spending weeks on end there. You would, right? No, you would go yeah. back in the summer, didn't you? Or, or yeah, in the summers. Get, right? Not every summer, maybe every second or third summer. Yeah, right. Uh, from when I was about seven to 18, mm-hmm. I think. Okay. And, uh, you know, I just call those my Tom Sawyer adventure times, mm-hmm. right? No TV. There was like one phone in the entire village. Uh, you know, walk the milk to to the to the, to the the guy who takes it to the really? get pasteurized. Milkman. Right? The milkman. Wow. Still take the cows out to pasture. Uh, swimming in the river, catching fish with the net, all that sort of yep. stuff, right? Just really hands-on stuff. Cool. And that really starts to infuse uh, your nervous system, your mm-hmm. spirit, right? And so, so it becomes fun. inextricable yeah. from who you are. And mm-hmm. so it's all those experiences that really have led me into kind of where I am today. 
in terms of uh, moving back to the, land, back to the land, just like this real draw to like step out of the the real busyness and try and simplify and find some of those rhythms again. Yeah, yeah. and that's just it. You're, I'm thinking here. You're so it's it's like a it's a dying breed. Even myself, I had the same opportunity with land. So um, we're about a decade apart in age, right? Not to, not to throw you, not to throw that out there, right? We're totally full. Well, who's older? Now. But who's older? Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll leave that to the audience to, to guess. But anywho, there's a difference, and I, I'd say cause so for me, being born in the '80s. Um, it's uh it was a dying breed i'd say like we were starting I mean, that was the microwave era now things technologies are popping nintendo was created in you know 1985 so i remember getting my first at like seven years old so like 1989 we'll say right. and um like i could be really drawn to that however still growing up on a farm and still having 10 acres of like uh, tree bush like property right. so i had the opportunity to connect and i had that i had that but at the same time my peers uh, I just felt the pull, like the collective pull towards this like technological age that we are now in, right? Yeah, so. and that's the threshold, right? Because, uh, you know, I was 80s, 90s kid. I was mm. born late 70s there. And um, yeah, that, that, start, that pull started to come in. But I had these opportunities to go like check out for six weeks every right. summer. And like you said, it's so, it's so lucky that you had the opportunity to fuse your nervous system at such a young age yeah. with nature. And I think nowadays... Um, it's just, that's just not the case, especially with urbanization, obviously, most of the world living in cities, so everywhere, and this is like, maybe other places in the world are getting this, but it talks specifically to our context of Western culture, it's just, it's a dying thing, so I mean, that's something I want to chat with you more about here, even in this episode, is just parenting in this day and age, and mm-hmm. you know, how you're, how, I mean, obviously with, with your children, it's great, because they're, they're getting exposed to nature and that, but so many aren't, so yeah, we'll chat about just parenting and that, but, um, and it's a beautiful journey, and I guess... That's just it. Your journey into connecting with the land is one thing, but let's tell us, tell folks about your journey into uh, medicine and naturopathic medicine. Yeah. Yeah. How, how'd that uh, come about? Um, so it's kind of a similar sort of plot to what you hear a lot of naturopaths or people who are in the holistic healthcare field are. They've had certain experiences in their own health or health of loved ones um, that you know, that sort of approach to medicine and healthcare uh, was a game changer. And mm-hmm. so it's hard to kind of step back out of that way of thinking and being. Yes. Uh, so that's essentially, you know, a story for how it worked out for me mm-hmm. in a sense. Um, so when I was about 15, 14, 15 years old, grade eight, grade going into grade nine, my dad got real sick. Mm-hmm. And uh, luckily we had a um, family member, his sister-in-law, who was you know, this is back in the early 90s, was a reflexologist, doing applied kinesiology, working with herbs. Um, and so when we ran into sort of the the brick wall of the conventional mm-hmm. system uh, and weren't left with a lot of options other than just wait for the inevitable, yeah, uh, we were able to access a different mindset, a different way of doing things that, and he pulled out of it. He did it. Yeah, and, you know, he got an extra dozen years of mm-hmm. life and right. I got to you know grow up with my dad so, yeah right so right. um and when he came out of it he came out of it a bit of a different man and oh, yeah. he mm-hmm. he himself became a reflexologist and we're talking you know a man who came yeah. from Europe well, that's what I was just gonna say different, right? a different no, ener- uh, no education to, yeah hard, hard for I'm sure in, in uh, his social context and upbringing to even embrace uh you know maybe a more holistic view on medicine or hard, was that not really because yeah, like I the plants and the Right. That connection, okay. that, that was all already sort of ingrained yeah. in a lot yeah, of ways, that's right? That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So even for like something, um, you know, baby boomer men from the West that definitely don't right. have that easy of a transition. So it's beautiful that he right. was able to have that from his upbringing. Yeah, and just yeah, to be able culture. to at that impressionable age to, you know, watch that transformation in your father. Yeah. Right? To go from ill to in this person who's now helping other people to to get better and heal and really owning this new life in a right, different yeah. way um you know it really affected me profoundly and uh maybe didn't realize it in these degrees at that time um but you know so that's a big big mm-hmm. chapter in my journey towards naturopathic medicine but it also comes down to just the everyday stuff you know we had a garden in our backyard all the time we mm-hmm. ate our food that we grew right um again those trips to europe all right. that sort of stuff right. so those are huge components uh, you know, and then you finish university, you know, you do your bachelor's and you're mm. feeling a little bit like, okay, well, 
Now what do I do with my expensive high school degree? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I got to go do some traveling. Yeah. You know, and yes. a lot of my studies were uh, sort of lateral thinking things like English literature, religious studies, Buddhism, right. uh, indigenous uh, worldview kind of stuff. And, um, you know, I was in those university days really thinking, hey, I'm pretty Eastern minded guy, you know, yeah. I'm a holistic guy. And then uh, I went to Asia for a couple of years and realized crap man I'm yeah pretty western you know <laughs> you did eh? yeah yeah and um started to read a lot of things like krishnamurti uh yeah. um the Tao of physics oh, well, like yeah. all these I've sorts of things that, that started yeah. to bridge that whole east meets west kind right. of thing that was really blossoming on those in the late 90s in that early time 2000s, too for sure right? yeah i'm like i gotta embrace something in my in my passion in my life that's gonna to bring these worlds together of this holistic and this sort of rational deductive piece. Right. I'm like, how do I bring those things together? Like what, what job is that? Like, yeah. does that even exist? Yeah. Like, am I going to be some sort of writer that writes about these things? What is it going to be? Mm-hmm. Um, and as you're traveling and you're experiencing these different cultures and you're seeing how they engage with their food and they engage with their health and they mm-hmm. engage with their Community. environment and yeah, all those things. Yeah. It mm. starts to seep in in a different way. Traveling's amazing, eh? How much you can just learn about yourself and about life Mm -hmm. just from seeing how people do things differently, right? Just to change your perspective. Oh, yeah, 100%. You step out of your box, right? And you you look at yourself differently. You look at your culture completely differently with a, you know, uh, a critical eye. Right. Which you see the good and the the not so good. Yep. Um, And then I came back from those travels, uh, you know, wondering what's next. And had a friend who I was... uh, pretty close with who was taking the program of naturopathic medicine. Oh, I'm like, what's this? Mm-hmm. Started looking into it. It's like, this is exactly what we're talking about. Well, yeah. Um, cool. Prior to that though, I had actually gone and got my reflexology certificate done and okay. acupressure and all that sort of stuff. And I'm right. like, this isn't quite enough for me. So you're dabbling um, in the field, but you hadn't yet taken a full yeah, I'm like, profes- professional in the sense. Right. It's like, so I wanted to kind of, what's the, you know, the ultimate, Thing I could do in this field mm-hmm. and to me it was go into the naturopathic uh into ma- naturopathic medicine essentially right. and would you, you compete completed that up in Toronto then yeah Canadian yeah I'm sure we'll have you back on we'll chat more and you know, I mean definitely because we've chatted about it but like into the whole field of naturopathic medicine because I think it is an important piece if someone's looking to live a more close to the land um way of life, more rewilding way of life, then obviously the types of medicine that you're going to be consuming are probably going to fall in line with that philosophy and obviously naturopathic medicine using many herbs and, and different modalities. I think that would, that I do think more in line with a, say a rewilder's lifestyle. So yeah. Can be. Yeah, sure. Definitely. Right. I'm not to say you can't have both in this crazy modern day. We need a little bit of, a little bit of everything sometime when we need health or healing rather. But, um, but yeah, no, that's, uh, that's awesome. And I was just thinking, you were saying about Western culture kind of, or we were talking about your dad and, or I had commented how Western culture, it's sometimes more difficult, maybe for men, maybe for anybody who's kind of locked into say conventional, you know, materialistic science. Um, but when they are, they, they, they hit that brick wall. Um, then they, then they turn to holistic medicine and things like that. Do you think Western culture right now is in that transitionary period time where we're actually demanding like a, something different from say the way that like our healthcare professional or, or like when we go for health, do you think that we're in that time where maybe now it wouldn't be so weird for us to start to look towards plants and things like that? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, even in the decade that I've been practicing, it's yeah. uh, demand for, you know, it's, it's shifted and it's not focused solely on naturopathic medicine. Naturopathic medicine is a scope of practice essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and dictated by certain principles um, but like this turn towards more holistic approaches, diet, yeah. plant medicine, you know, the, the internet podcasts, mm. uh, you know, workshops, online courses, all this stuff. So it's just, people are hitting walls. People are opening their, so that collective consciousness has shifted right. and is shifting. Well, that's the thing too. It's like, when you look, when I looked at health podcasts and how people are branding their health podcasts these days, sure. There's plenty out there with like, if you look at the thumbnail pictures of each podcast, you'll see the white lab coat stethoscope like dr so-and-so's show and there there are still some that are branding themselves as such um but for the most part most podcasts that i'm seeing out there like at least obviously i'm in, within that alternative health 
in the alternative health field here, but there's a, there seems to be so much more podcasts in that regard, more demand for those things. I think even Joe Rog- Rogan's podcast might be classified under like a health pod, like alternative type health right. podcast, right? So, um, so yeah, there's just so much more demand in that regard, or at least there's more information. So I don't know what came first in that regard, but it's, I've definitely noticed it too, obviously, right? And so I'm hoping so. That's the thing. That's kind of a loaded question because obviously I hope so because I feel like that coming back to the land and the way we view medicine, um, there's benefit in slowing things down and, uh, yeah, doing things differently than, say, the biomedical model currently is. Yeah, and it may not be exploding to, like, to the point where, you know, 95% of people are thinking this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think there's a, a huge component of, you know, Western population or in Canada or Ontario, whatever yep. you want to yeah. distill it down to, that is right. thinking this way. and. You know, we're dialoguing it, sharing information, that it's yeah. open conversation. It's not necessarily something that's all woo-woo, right. like it might have been early 90s or so whatever. True. Well, I've heard so many times science is the language of mysticism these days, which I which I like and I get. Um, and it's very much true. It's like science is, like you were saying, the, uh, the uh, Tao of physics and things like that actually starting to look into some of the science and actually some of the stuff that used to be considered, say, alternative or woo-woo whatever you want to call it, um, ancient indigenous ways of knowing it's, it's now is like, it's got a little bit of materialistic science and other forms of science that are saying, Hey, this stuff's worth looking at. And, I and call it sky is blue science. Sometimes sky is blue science. Yeah. yeah. It's like, Oh, we've got 15 studies to tell you the sky is blue. Yeah. Right. Oh, thank you. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there's a lot of that in the, yeah. Going back to school in PhD land. I'm just like, Oh, how do, how does some of this stuff get studied? Why, what are we doing? Like right. we could all be actually going out and doing the thing that you're studying and, you, could, yeah. you just just plant the trees or what have you, right? Um, yeah, so, I mean, that's that's awesome. And I think that's when, uh, yeah, well, like when we met, I had um, I had been, I guess, one of those individuals long long into self-care and, and fitness and exercise, obviously. Because I think, um, yeah, that was like, that was kind of my into health. But then the holistic health stuff had made me realize, yeah, I need I need somebody else to help me with my journey. And that's, that's when I had met you. So, um, I mean, the natural world's always been a part of your life. Um, now you're actually at the point here. So you're technically right now my neighbor out yes. here, Port Stanley, Ontario, the North other hill over, the other hill over as they say in port. So um, just a beautiful North shore, Lake Erie town fishing village. That's kind of got a little up and coming vibe to it. Like it's still quaint, mm-hmm. beautiful spot, but you have land, you've got some land here yeah. and you have just built an awesome house. Um, that I kind of want to chat about and or just even just like your, your process of coming back to the land. So we've kind of gone over your story into uh, your love with, for nature, you're into medicine. Um, but now you've got land that you're kind of collaborating these two worlds combined. So like, what's uh, let's talk about your, let's talk about your road to that and what your land is. If you want to just share. Yeah. So whatever, you, whatever like we touched mind. on all that sort of early exposure and wanting to come back to that. And so just like this unquestioned pull back to that, like this is happening. This is what I want to do. This is where we need to go. Um, and starting to just put out feelers, you know, looking for the right piece of land. This was about a decade ago. Okay. Uh, we purchased this land eight years ago and um, built a little shed on it and right. basically sat on it for a while till we, you know, could get to where we could, now, when Start. you say sat on it, you didn't sit on it like most people sit on land right. and waiting to build some money. When you were sitting, that's, that's what would you? What were you? You were sitting on the land. I mean, yeah, you were probably sitting on the land actually. But you, what was kind of some of the things you were doing in that long time where it was just a, a like a little sleep bunkie? Mm-hmm. What were you? Uh, what were the things that you were doing? Just really engaging the land. Yeah. Uh, really, sort of going into what you know we call, or some of us, some people call, uh, like more like a deep listening. The land, really a lot of observation, you know, you know, that sort of whole, the whole permaculture yeah, thing of watching the all the energies come through the land, yeah. how the water sits and where the sun comes and the so wind important. blows and, you know, where you might want to put the house, where these gardens might want to go, where the orchard might best be suited and just contemplating, engaging, listening, uh, just getting a feel for, yeah. for the land and really, uh, sinking into the role of stewardship, right? Not ownership. Ah. Uh, and just feeling the land's energies and responses shift right. as my right. own self would shift and 
on my listening to the land would deepen. Uh, when we first bought the land, it felt really sort of like defensive and and rugged, and this isn't, you know, I don't know if this is going to work. Mm-hmm. And then as you engage it and you soften, you maybe bring a little bit of ceremony and ritual to mm-hmm. the land, and you and you start to own that in your DNA, that stewardship piece. Right. Yeah. There's a different response that starts to happen from the land. You feel this sort of softening, and you're like, this idea I've been contemplating for so long. I was like, where is the house going to go? Or where is that garden going to go? And you're trying to think, 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 think. And then you just have this moment of, oh, yeah, right there. Mm-hmm. When you're out of your brain, right? You know, and listening, so, listening, listening, right? Yeah, and that's so, just it. Listening, not just listening with your ears. Listening with like your very, your very being. What's coming through? If right. you know, if it's like an image, all of a sudden when you're quiet, yeah, then boom, all of a sudden you picture the house, boom, in that spot, and you just have that knowing, right? So that's the benefit of slowing down and obviously st- stewarding the land rather than. Yeah, and I got to do that for like seven years. Yeah, maybe a little longer than I'd like. Yeah. Yeah, but, maybe you know. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. That's your, that's your left brain. Yeah, that's your yeah. That's yeah. that inner. Uh, I want to get shit done. Well, yes. Heck yeah, because you in that time you get pretty wicked vision. That's come to Pete. Like come to yeah. fruition now. Yeah, and when I think of what I when I what I thought it would be and what it's actually turned out to be are not divergent, but they're different. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, we're thinking, you know, really hippied out, right? You know, straw bale. Everything's going to be plaster, and we're going to have solar this and right? Really off the grid. And then you start talking to contractors and you start talking to people and Mm -hmm. you start learning about different technologies that are emerging. You're like, oh, maybe there's this decision I can make about my home and honor sort of the values that we bring of wanting to have a healthy place we live, the air in our home to be like mountain air, right? Right. That rewilding of like, I want the air in my house to be clean. Totally. So, I mean, you got left and right brain, you got every part heart and head all thinking, I guess I get, you know, learning, yeah. feeling where the house is going to go, but then also, Hey, what is the technology of this, uh, clean air system that I right. want to put in? Right. So, right. yeah. So, I mean, and that, that's something you did over time too, then I guess. Right. Yeah. Learning. So not rushing. Yeah. yeah but of, I mean, once you hit a certain point in building a home, things start to accelerate, right. You don't have that same sort of time to contemplate to the same degree. Right. It's like, Oh, you got to make this decision. Yeah. You know, is it uh, in line with your values of trying to keep your home integrated with, with nature, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. Is nature an extension of your home? Is your home an extension? Well, our, all of our homes are an extension of our biology, but is it a healthy extension of your biology? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, are you using those uh, materials that are healthy, you know, aren't totally killing the planet, right. all the, you know, the and basically having this list of values that you start out with mm-hmm. uh, and then you come up with every, de- come up to every decision and lay it against those values and say, okay, I can go left or I can go right. right. And so that's what I mean by it ended up being a little different than we thought, because as you make one decision, you start shunting over somewhere else. Like, right. okay, we're not doing the straw bale thing because, you know, protecting the inside of our home from electromagnetic frequencies and, Radiations and stuff is an important piece. Right. Ah, okay. So you're going in this direction. And so, yeah, interesting. You know, you build, start to use different materials. Itself. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess what were some of those uh, for folks that are looking, maybe have the, uh, have the uh, land or have the intent to land like I do? Obviously, I could learn, I could pick your brain forever here because I'm sitting on the idea of potentially pulling the trigger this year to, uh, you know, have my own piece of land to steward. So, what types of things on that front? And I kind of want to go back and touch on some of more of the felt side stuff too, but while we're chatting about some of the technologies, so like the EMF piece, what, I remember you telling me what exactly is it that you guys have your, you got your, you got your house wrapped in tinfoil, don't you? Essentially. <laughs> you guys all walk around tinfoil hats. Yeah, that's what I've we been do. There all the kids go to school, yeah. get laughed at because they got tinfoil hats on. <laughs> exactly. Hey, you can jump on the EMF bandwagon on this show. We're going to, we're going to, we'll, we'll dive into it together. That'll for be a sure. good show. Yeah. So, but um, yeah. So what'd you guys do to the house? What kind of material what was, what was uh, it? So basically what we wanted to use was something called Duracell block, right? Which is sort of one of the, it's sort of the, as far as I understand, we worked with the building biologist. We kind of got our information okay. through him and then I'd go and supplement what he told me with a little bit of my own research. What's a building biologist? Uh, basically uh, a guy who, or a person mm-hmm. who uh, studies um biology of your home it's called Bauhaus in Germany so it's okay. basically how our biology interacts with our homes right, right. so what are VOCs doing uh, 
Uh, what are EMFs doing? Uh, how are those things running through your home? How do you design your home to mitigate against mold growth or excessive amounts of EMF or uh, too many volatile organic compounds and chemicals in your home? That sort of stuff. Okay, cool. How can you rewild your biology yeah. through the home oh. within which you live? Right? Wow. We'll, so the we'll, whole put, we'll put a link, third link to that one in the show notes because yeah, that's, that's a whole uh, can of stuff for, yeah. to get into. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So uh, Duracell block was this block that's uh, made of cement and wood chips. It blocks EMFs considerably well, mm-hmm. uh, et cetera, et cetera, but super expensive, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we can't do that one. Yeah. So what are we going to do? So we basically ended up having this really interesting wall system mm-hmm. that we, uh, that our builder, uh, has used on a couple of occasions, and it's essentially two wall systems. So the outer wall being this really dense pack cellulose, mm-hmm. and the inner wall system being your typical stud system, okay. right, where we'd put like an R22 insulation bat, in okay. there, like a rock saw bat, right. not the pink insulation stuff. Right. And in between those two wall systems, we ran essentially what's called a uh, radio frequency foil, like RF foil right. locks. Tin foil. Tin foil, essentially. Okay, tin foil. Fancy schmancy tin foil. <laughs> and it's wrapping in our entire house. Cool. And so uh, we had had that building biologist come out to our land uh, maybe five years ago with his gear to measure, you know, radio frequencies, EMFs, EMRs, right. all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he came out and did Do these readings. you know readings. what kind of monitor or e- reading, like, unit he had? Or I pr- yeah, of... He had a metro, whole bunch of stuff. I forget the one. I'm going to have to, uh, maybe if I can dig it up, I'll put it in the show notes as well. It's one that I want to get when looking at land. I just kind of want to just. Yeah, there's these sweet. handheld ones that yeah. are helpful and, you know, they're a couple hundred bucks or whatever. This, this is like, Dr. Mercola had like all about this one or something. I forget where I had found it, but some. Yeah, these the are kind of do it yourself kind. Okay. Uh, but he's bringing out some of the like big guns equipment. Okay. That's legit stuff. You know, some legit cool. stuff. You can that's hire pretty, someone to do this. Yeah, I, I'd have to talk to him about what those were because, again, yeah. this is like five years ago. That's that's cool. Mm-hmm. And so he basically measured our exposures, you know, the cell towers around here, yep. uh, radio frequencies, other things like that, got certain readings at ground level, and then went up to the second floor of our shed at the time. Oh, yeah. And did the same readings, and they were about four times higher, higher. Uh, in terms of exposure. Wow. So I was like, oh, I guess we're going to do a ranch, right? So those sorts of things happen yeah. and you make your decisions like, oh, it would have been way more economical for us to build a two-story home. Oh, yeah. Right? In terms of Rather than build the footprint the, that you basement. put on the earth, right? right? The, the, you know, land, yeah. the, the excavation, all that sort of stuff that it takes. Right. Um, so that's just an example. Yeah. But going back to your question of how, you know, what people have to consider, it's really about what are your values? Like, what do you yeah. want to See bring that. to the land? What's driving you back to that sort of process or into mm. that process. Right. Uh, is it just to get away from everything? Right. Is it to reconnect to something? Right. Is it to build a certain type of business? Is it to be healthier? Yeah. And, uh, and again, it's that, it's that spectrum and, you know, just put it under that umbrella term of rewilding, but it's like very much a spectrum that we're all very unique pieces of grass that are able right. and have different abilities and needs and, and things like that, right? So that's a good point because, yeah, sometimes just being out there and building a conventional home might you know, be very well, just as good for an individual's health, let's just say. Right. And better than, say, living in the stressful city or whatever right. they're looking to get away from. So um, what else? Did you, did you guys have carpet? You got any carpet in the house or no. anything like that? No, you don't. Stuff like that. What other uh, neat little technologies, I guess, what were that come to mind? So or one like of the, little- the biggest thing for us, because we built, so we didn't go the straw bale route, which would have been more of like a open flow sort of envelope. Okay. We went with a tighter envelope. So what I mean by envelope is like how uh, how much air loss do you have from your home? So when you heat okay. it, how much is it? How much of it are you losing? When you cool it, how much right. of it are you losing? So the tighter the envelope, the more efficient your heating and cooling is going to be. Right. But you run into a whole slew of other considerations when you have a really t- tight envelope, right? It's right. like tight envelope. You fart last Tuesday, you still smell it. The following Aha. Thursday, kind of thing, right? Right. So you have to have a really good, interesting mechanical system to get the air right? moving the air. Yeah, and right. if you're going to have that tight of an envelope, do you want to use conventional paints and pink fiberglass ah, and a bunch of like chemically keeping things, yeah, right? keeping these chemicals alive, basically recirc- right, recirculating and right. and all that. So you make the decision then tight envelope. Okay, we have to go, you know, supernatural, <laughs> supernatural, like really natural <laughs> on our. Yeah. Uh, selections of paints mm. and all that sort of stuff. And then 
uh, a real good mechanical system that's going to exchange that air right. at a certain pace. That's, uh, you know, and there's, there's lots out there, but we, right. we settled on a system that essentially, uh, you know, this is where we decided to put a little extra cash into, mm-hmm. right? you know, we, we repurposed a lot of furniture. We repurposed a lot for our bathrooms. We did all that. So we don't have the fancy mm-hmm. countertops. That's sort of right. Thing. We put right. our money into this ERV oh, system, sure. which basically, um, fresh air exchange at a real good pace, uh, air filtration, dehumidification, which is huge when you right. have a tight envelope, because yeah. if you have too much humidity, you know, you're asking mold for mold and yeah. all that sort of stuff. Which again, just as, just as dangerous when you're looking at, I'm not just as dangerous, but very much concerned when you're looking at different things in your home that could be causing slow poisoning of the, of the system. Right? right. So yeah, for sure you want no mold in the house. Yeah. And so this place will, t- this uh, system will take, if we have a, steaming hot shower and our house is a bit dry it's going to redistribute some of that humidity to the rest right. of the house to bring it up to the level of humidity that you want yeah so yeah. that that was that's basically the fanciest gadget that we right. besides the tin foil do you ever think about uh i mean i know we'll, we'll save the carbon tax debate but you ever offsetting in like i remember before owning a business that was bullfrog powered and uh obviously you're offsetting the cost of uh like green sources of energy from you know, natural gas and other means rather than, you know, getting solar powered wind. And you ever think about doing anything like that and offsetting the, the cost of your electricity, say that you get, or is that something that you're, yeah, that I, I mean, cause I mean, really, I think I mean, I'm waiting for that to develop a little bit Yeah, technologically from a solar perspective. Yes. Right. Yeah, like storage or yeah. Just so I was just wondering on the out, on the outpost, obviously everything you're doing is mitigating here from a prevention standpoint, but on the, on the, on the back end, I guess I was just curious if you're, keen on that whole idea yeah i mean that was one of our uh values but it wasn't say number two or one two or three right Right. it's like yeah i'd love to use uh sustainably harvested lumber for my house you know right yeah we did because it was within a wheelhouse of reason you know being reasonable right but there's other things where it's like yeah you know i can't really necessarily right pay for that right now yeah for sure so there's so many things yeah so many things to do and uh well, I guess we're hitting, we're hitting all the, I'm thinking in regards to like the elements here. So what about water? I think we chatted about your water. Like you, if you get any type of, I know folks can spend big bucks on a good old water system. Do you guys have anything going right now? Or? Yeah, we just went with a, a nice three filtered reverse osmosis system. System. Okay. Yeah. So you do have it in there. Yeah. And that's yeah, right at the so. source then kind of coming in or where? No, you got, no, no. That's just that, I, I don't that's think that's really worth the cash necessarily. Right, yeah. Just put it at the kitchen sink. Right. Yeah. yeah right there. Yeah. And go from there. Yeah. Well, let's get back. So that's, um. I mean, that's a whole thing. It's such an awesome uh, topic in regards to like rewilding, getting back to the land. It's just building your home. Cause I mean, there are those things, obviously I think of rewilding as, yeah, again, getting in touch with the nature wild uh, meaning like, well, to me anyway, specifically the way in which we go about our life, right? The way we interact with communities. So the way you build your homes, where you get your clothes, where you get your food from, to me, those are really important topics. If we want to kind of, uh, kind of re-centralize, I guess, our lives and kind of keep it more local. So I thought home, like building, building a home in rewilding. Um, There's so many really cool individuals that I've got on like the the list for people that have gone and like built off grid cabins up North in Ontario and that, and have done it with like some hand tools and things like that. And just like the process that would be, and obviously, and this is a nice segue as into going back into the heartfelt, but imagine the, I was saying before, but imagine all the, the shit you get to work through. You're out in the woods, you're, you're cutting a log with a saw for your house. And it's just like to be able to do that at a slow pace, I think, wow, that's going to be good for, good for the old brain. Good for the old ticker. Yeah, I would imagine heart. so. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, on that note, getting back to your, you were saying before when you were doing the, um, the, the, the observing and the sitting with the land uh, ceremony, you mentioned ceremony. So I was curious what kind of like first fire you had around there was there any specific or what, what what were any ceremonies that you maybe did that you want to share like what kind of things did you how'd you start off like I asked fire because I think for me I have this vision of like having my first fire on this land that I get as kind of and it got obviously I'd be sitting with it too but having that spot being somewhat of a sacred spot from there on forward it's just this idea of like having that first fire and then from always to always be a fire there or something I don't know yeah fire yeah. it was what it was essentially the first sort of um conscientious you know, sort of ceremonial if you want to use that word mm. sort of connection with the land right, right? so I, I essentially did a of an of an overnight fire mm-hmm. uh quest i basically oh, did 
you know, held a certain question in my heart and mind and took that to the fire and lit the fire at sunset mm-hmm. and sat with that fire till sunrise, you know, just looking into the fire, clearing the mind, mm-hmm. tuning into the senses, um, suffering and struggling. Yeah, I was going right? to say, just you and the fire. <laughs> and constantly bringing right. yourself back to that. Yeah. That was the, the practice, yeah. essentially. And then yeah, uh, the, it was just absolutely beautiful in terms of how it just, shifted something in my relationship to that place mm-hmm. uh, had some clarity on uh, a couple of steps that we needed to take mm-hmm. and essentially you know uh, in this sort of poetic uh, sort of uh, what's the word i'm looking for in a really poetic way the mm-hmm. the fire quest just ended with you know at dawn literally as the sun was coming up a huge thunderstorm rolling through oh wow dumping a bunch of water on me and the fire and the really? fire was out and we were done there it, it is was, you know and i'm like okay if if that's not uh whoa Mother a little Nature's bit of feedback yeah. that i'm connected to something here right then i don't know what is yeah. uh, so right. um, you know when we talk about rewilding mm-hmm. as that term to me it's just essentially reconnecting right connecting yeah. right. building those threads of connection to the natural environment around us. Mm-hmm. So our connection to the plant, our connection to the tree, to the animal, connection within ourselves and our, you know, our microbiome or whatever. Right. Um, but even out beyond that connection to others, mm-hmm. and then we start to, you know, you really start to get that felt sense of your, your, your pulse in mm-hmm. all those other pulses that right. are going on. And that's all. It's kind of one big okay. pulse. Right? And that's just it. I kind of want to go and kind of explain what, ceremony i guess means to you but that's just it you're setting these intentions and um and through this ceremony yeah you're you're developing a greater relationship so i guess how would you that sounds pretty profound so maybe folks that haven't ever like formally trying to like hey i want to connect with the land like this and it sounds like a really cool experience you get the thunderstorm rolling in after and again teach everyone will have i'm sure their own experiences and have had experiences like that but what would ceremony i guess uh how would you define ceremony because it's a big it's, i think it's a big part in connecting with the land and um, slowing down. Yeah, ceremony, sure. ritual. I think those are can be pretty loaded words. Yeah, right. That's why I asked. Um, I'm like, Jesus, so topic. It's just part of its repetition. Okay. Right. If we want to just really scale it down a little bit for people, it's just like, mm-hmm. what are you doing with some consistency and some conscientiousness? Conscientiousness, right? Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, we can go. The ceremony can be really, really intricate, and you know, depending on what tra- line of tradition it's coming from. Right. But, you know, we could park that for a moment and just say, well, what's, you know, what's average Joe's that's right, yeah. who's trying to, you know, rewild a little bit ceremony. Like that's just, yeah. that could be a shutdown term, right? For totally. Somebody, right. That's why I asked. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Right. So totally. it's like, what are you doing with regularity? Right. Like yeah. that has that conscientiousness to it. So it's maybe just finding a spot that you go and sit at mm-hmm. every day for half an hour and engage the senses. Right. Just yep. listen, look. Taste. That's the smell, That's the practice feel. or the ceremony. Right. That yeah. that's yeah. ceremony in a way. Right. right. No, indeed. That, and that's just it. I think it can be just anything. And I've said that on the uh, recent episode release. But in uh, around the new year, always doing like ceremony. I'll say solstice. Right. So obviously solstice equinox. There's you know for me anyways trying to go to a sweat lodge on those times. That's my ceremony. It's right. kind of, it's repetitive. So it can be anything. I think it just comes down to the regularity and then as you said the conscientious or the uh, the intent behind it yeah and i mean that i mean i know i know that it, it is much more than that and it can go much yeah. further than that for people of and course. when you when you start to sort of engage that with others and more of a collective then you start to you know that that connection starts to strengthen and, and develop in a different way right right yeah and that's just it we yeah i mean there's so many different as you said traditions and lineages under which you can do different ceremonies and things like that and uh well, i mean you and i are you know, we're, we're learning things like fire ceremony and that in our, our gateway. We do a workshop called the Gateway to the Shaman Within together. And yeah, through there, we're kind of reconnecting with the land and that inner healing, that inner knowing that we all have. And um, yeah, through that, doing things like ceremony. And that's what I think we're chatting about in future episodes too. But like, yeah, getting a lot of those primitive skills, it's it's the act um, of just slowing down and listening, right? Mm-hmm. And having, holding something in your heart, in your head, and then going about it and uh Yes, trusting in that process, yeah. and it's a, it's a wonderful thing. Um, yeah, and you, well, that's and then on that note too, it's just like talking about ceremony. You are able to deepen your connection 
with yourself or with whatever it is, say your ceremony is maybe around. So with you, you were doing it in a, as a means, I guess, to connect with your, with your land. Right. So, um, and you had said that the land kind of like shifted and you noticed the difference of you being there. So could, maybe we could, so something we've kind of learned at our workshops together is the keep the energetic keeper of say the land. Right. And so maybe how you, from that perspective, how you, um, interacted with the land or maybe how you noticed the energy or the keeper of this, or maybe you can explain even what that idea is and how that changed for you. Yeah. So keeper, just sort of that notion that, you know, we've talked about in those, that workshop we talked that we were taking together and um, it's really just sort of that energetic container or Mm -hmm. I might say spirit that kind of infuses a a relationship, a a person, a place. Right. Um, And so, uh, just the vibe of a place, essentially. Yeah, the vibe of a place. Like and if you walk into a party, well, I mean, I think it's, yeah, you walk into a party or, uh, I think Burning Man's a guy, I'm going, being called to say Burning Man, because it, it's a really unique aspect of like the keeper. It's got a, it's got a keeper of its own, it's Burning Man, but each year, participants are different, you're living in the moment, therefore that energy is different, there's a different theme, so naturally that is going to change based on the people there, but overall there is a container that is, say, Burning Man, I guess, right? I don't right. know, just one, yeah. one wild one wild little analogy there. Yeah. And, and I think it's a dynamic, it can be a dynamic thing for sure. And with the land itself and just that, again, that's taking on the role within myself of steward and sort of this idea of like what we're doing here on this land is it's not just for me to escape the city and simplify my life and, and uh, you know, kind of curl up uh, and hide behind an acorn kind of thing. Right. Right. It's, it's also what's this, going to be for my children what's going to be for their children what's this going to be for other people who come to inhabit this land in the future right uh and so the stewardship you start looking beyond your own thing right so i'm going to plant all these trees i'll never see the fruit of for example right right and so once you start to bring that in there's a different suppleness that kind of in terms of how things line up for you it's like oh this felt really really hard before like i don't know if we're going to be able to do this on this land like there's so many roadblocks and then maybe through ceremony or maybe through shifting your mindset a little bit us things start to open up for you and it becomes a little easier but for the land itself i'll use ticks as a really prime (laughs) example yes tell that story i love this so when we first oh, moved, when we first got this property, you know, there weren't a ton, but there mm. were some. And then this is a very interesting second thing. or third year, like Lynn. ticks yeah. all over the place. Do you have right? kids at this time yet? Did you no. have well, we, yeah, we just had Clara. Yeah, we just had our... That's the thing. You don't want yeah. to... Yeah. And uh, they were terrible. Yeah. Right? They were, anytime you walked anywhere, you had three on you. And it was, yeah. you know, being a naturopath and having worked with some folks with Lyme's disease, you're kind of, you know, you're hypervigilant and yeah. you're a little freaked out. Um, and you know, we started to just kind of hold a little bit of space yeah, in and around. Okay. What are these things here for? Instead of like coming from this fear perspective, right. just, so, kill them everywhere, spray, yeah, spray everything, <laughs> chop yeah. everything down. You can fumigate those things. Yeah. Yeah. Get some uh, guinea love. hens and some possum up here, which yeah. I'm glad we have some possum. Yeah. Um, right. But because guinea hens and possum eats, they eat them. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So through certain things we did from more of a like really intended ceremonial piece and yeah, mowing the grass a little differently, but having sort of had a, almost a dialogue with these yeah. insects you know, like the that look like, you know, evil little German tanks, you know, <laughs> they do. and noticing the decline of how many would be on us over time. And now they're not really an issue. Right, like the the whole energy of the land has shifted. Where the land itself was kind of saying, "Let's get rid of these guys." Right, they don't need to be here. Yeah. Something else is coming. Right, right. So um, it's amazing to be so in tune with your land. I mean, that's just it for me. That's that's the sweet that's the sweet spot. Yeah. It's awesome to be to be listening like that. Right. Yeah, and I mean, there's yeah, there's cycles to takes and this and that, and we've sure. we've lived through sure. enough of those cycles. Have yeah. like it's different now. Yes. Well, right. I want to yeah, I'll, I'll chime in with my similar experiences. Poison ivy and. Uh, so obviously doing uh, at my parents' place, getting into deer hunting and just making a few habitat improvements for the our deer herd. And that came down to cutting down some trees. And obviously throughout the bush floor, especially where this spot is, there's tons of poison ivy crawling all over the floor. So we're in there right in the, the, the thick of it, right? 
And uh, sure, taking precautions as far as covering up and everything, but uh, I had gone in and connected with the keeper, slowed down, not here to hurt you guys, you're, you're good, um, we're here to do this, and, you know, just kind of slowing down and, and just saying, just connecting and listening and, and, and seeing what I got back, not forcing, hey, I'm going to come in here, I'm the, I'm the man, I'm going to cut these trees down. If you don't want us in here today, let me know, right? And yeah, there's days it's like, just walk lightly in here, and every day kind of connecting with them. I'm doing this. I'm sitting, taking a knee, doing this. And my brother lovingly playing around, joking with me. I getting weird, Sean, trying to connect with the poison ivy. Sure enough, brother gets lit up with the poison ivy, head to toe, itching. And I'm like sitting here. I'm like, yeah, no, pretty good. Like, and I mean, I got, I got down and dirty. I didn't even have gloves on at some points and, you know, pushing the limits. So it's compelling, right? It's It's compelling. compelling. It's compelling. Mm -hmm. So. Um, but again, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was a pretty good story. Um, yeah, no, that's really cool. Cause I think that is an important piece in especially with permaculture. Um, just looking at land differently. How are we going to interact with this land? Let's sit on it. You know, obviously there are the, the financial constraints where it's like some people might just like, I'm working so hard until I can get there striving for this level of happiness. Meanwhile, it's like enjoying the process, being in it, just being sitting on land. It's just, just sounds great. Mm-hmm. And now you got an awesome house up there. Yeah, family's moved in. Congrats, yeah, no, man. We're just Sweet. trying to reintegrate with the new feeling up there. Yeah, right? yeah, right. It's good. Well, that's uh, that really is awesome, and I'm sure we'll, you know, we'll, yeah, we'll do, we'll save it for another podcast. We'll chat all about parenting in this modern day technological. How do you keep your kids off right YouTube, watching other kids play with their toys and stuff like that? We'll we'll chat about that in another podcast because I want to uh, ask you some other like questions. We've covered some serious like ground in terms of different topics today. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was so if I pass my test as like potential no, listen, co-host guy. Listen, the whole, the keeper, the keeper, I like the energy we got going on here. You guys have to let us know out there. All the listeners have to let us know. But yeah, no, before we, oh, we won't wrap it up yet. We got a couple more minutes, but what I wanted to, uh, what I wanted to ask you, you, you've done this now, 2020, new decade. Everyone's talking about that, feeling that, um, like what's next? Like what's your, uh, what's your wild, actually even beyond that, like what's, What's your wildest dream nowadays? Like for the earth, you're you're a healer, you're a father now, you've got you're a land steward. You know, it's pretty awesome spot you're in. And I mean, I watched you go through those times of you're still trying to be in the moment, but then you had the stress of the drywall didn't show up. What? Like, right. <laughs> right. So uh yeah, I've been there to lift, you know, use the muscles and, and slang some things for you. So all that stuff's done now. So what's what's next? What's your wildest dream for the earth? What's your wildest dream for you and your family? What's next? That's a really good question because deep. we're getting deep right yeah, there. Man. Well, this getting back to the land was such a like pinnacle mm-hmm. thing to strive towards and be in the moment in that journey towards. And now that we're there, you know, I've really just said, you know, this next four months up until sort of that, again, that's the season shift spring comes up and mm-hmm. uh, the energy shifts and you, you want to get out there and start working the land a bit. I'm just, trying my best to slow down yeah and to to listen and just feel the tug of where yeah. that next direction right might be yeah um you know i have my ideas of what i think my wildest dream is and, and yeah. if anything this house build has taught me is like yeah you've got this picture in your mind and you hold steady to certain sort of values and considerations but it's going to be a version of that right right yeah and so well um Essentially, I feel like I'm kind of living it, dude. That wildest dream in a lot so of ways. So many folks are doing that right now. And I was yeah. just gonna say, if you turn around and look about my vision board, there, it's very much just that too. And in, in the episode that I released today with uh, "Rewild Your Vision for 2020," it's, I think, not to say this, this works for some folks is that rigid planning, five year plans, and right. this is my dream, this is my life dream, this is what I'm striving it's to helpful. do. But yeah. it, it is helpful, and it's pointing the ship in a certain direction. But the path's made by walking, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean. Um, essentially you have to live it. You have to be walking each step mindfully and, uh, be open to the path, whichever may open. Right. So I like, I like your answer in that very much, uh, connected with the way, the flow of nature and the cycles of nature, which is just it kind of being, obviously having your natural path, you're still going to be practicing mm-hmm. and there's, there's stuff you could say, but being open to it's the, probably the best way to, to wrap Yeah, my up. wildest dream is just deepening these connections and these like little um, sort of sonar pings that I've had in my process mm-hmm. on the land in this past eight years, mm-hmm. or seven and a half years. And now to 
build that into the rhythm of my day-to-day, my kids' day-to-day. And even what I've been contemplating is like, okay, where am I putting my raised beds? Where uh, is the medicine wheel garden going to go? And just like sinking into that. And so that's kind of the wildest dream. And to see what's this land going to look like in 10 years when the fruit trees are doing what they're doing. And, you know, I've got things are really starting to kind of turn around a bit. Uh, and we're starting to see that abundance come forth. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hunting. I'm curious to see how hunting. We didn't. Uh, yes. We'll have to have. I'm gonna get up here and chat hunting stories soon. But uh, yes. hunting, obviously, in the land could even change. Like you know, I mean, I don't, you got a lot. You got plenty of land, so there's tons of deer and other critters and things like yeah. that. But yeah. Um, yeah, but like you know, all things will be different. I like to think that that will always be. Yeah, you're part you're, of my oh, experience yeah, you've there. Got the spot. Yeah, you've got the spot. They love yeah. it. They love the creek and everything. Yeah. But you know, you mentioned your day to day, and I guess we'll. One more question, but uh, what is your day-to-day? What, How do you currently tap into that wild part of your soul? I mean, we chat about sitting and listening and being quiet. What are some practices that you, I think, if you just, Richard's Richard's top few that he does on the, or tries to do on the daily, obviously you got life and kids and business you run and stuff. Yeah. So, but what's, uh, yeah, what are you currently doing to tap into that wild part of your soul for joy, vitality? Yeah, so the daily, when I talked about being conscientious and, and routine. Yeah. I also acknowledge the challenge of that. Yeah. When people are at certain points in their life, mm-hmm. um, you know, young kids, sometimes they're not going to school today because they're sick. So there goes your whole day yeah. kind of thing. Right. But uh, basic elements are movement, mm-hmm. whether that's a stroll through the bush, whether that's some stretching, some sun salutations, right yeah. whatever, right? right? Yeah. Um, some qigong or whatever floats your boat. Mm. So some level of movement, right. breath work, yeah. um, preparing food in a mindful way. Food uh, prep is pretty central in our house. Right. Um, and that's a daily thing. Yeah. Kitchens um, are made for, for, for making food, right? For yes. functioning and getting in. Yeah. That's so important yeah. for sure. And so those are huge components. Um, but getting outside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In some way, some shape or form. Right. Uh, and having that, just that moment of sinking in and just listening for the silence for a minute mm-hmm. is a, is a big one. Yep. Um, but then some more of the sort of routine pieces is, you know, I you know, drink the lemon water in the morning, yeah. do my breath work, do my stretching. Um, the morning practice, the morning practice. Yeah. So universal, universal, you need universal to stuff. Yeah. Right? That's a thing. Yeah. You gotta, you just have to. And I mean, that's just, I wouldn't even imagine with kids getting up. I have a friend who actually has this really cool nightlight system for their daughter. Who's like four or five now. And, um, mom and dad like to meditate 5am club. They wake up every morning at five and they meditate and they know that when the, when the red lights on, it's sleep time. When the yellow light on, you can, you can, it's time to wake up, but you have to stay in your room. And when the green light comes on, now you can come out. So mom and dad get an hour, even if they hear stuff going on. It's like, it's your time yeah. in your room. You get to relax. So almost tr- like getting them to get used to the gold, Jerry, gold. <laughs> gold. I'm using that one. Yeah, I'll find up the uh, link that on the show. Actually, no, come back. We'll chat all about parenting. Maybe I'll have my other buddy on too because it's amazing how your health routines change when little ones are running around yeah, screaming it, in the middle of your meditation practice. Yeah, it shifts a lot for sure. <laughs> the keeper um, changes. Yeah, and that's a whole conversation for, for sure. For sure, we'll do that one. But other elements I want to touch yeah. on for sure yeah. is hydrotherapy is a big one. Right, yeah. We're- um, you know, contrast showers are real easy. So easy. Uh, I do those. Uh, and, uh, you know, when I have a little more time in the day, I'm doing the, you know, the ice dunk. Yeah. Right. And dunk. those, those are some of the things getting a sauna delivered next yeah. week. Oh, you are. Yeah. I was just going to say, as soon as you get your sauna. Oh yeah. boy. We yeah. might have to do a whole episode. I don't know if we can do it in the sauna, but we'll just get. No, not in the sauna. Oh man, we'll figure it out. It's possible. No, that's uh that's awesome. Yeah. It's truly an awesome piece of property and it's very inspirational to me and and you've been very inspirational to me they i mean i would like to say formally publicly but um you always have those friends who you aspire to be more like and those are important friends in your life so thank you for being one of those for me through the good and bad and uh and for being here co-host style because now that you've been here and we flow like this one hour it's just like you're gonna have to come back buddy yeah well you're i'd love to, come, to back. come back i'm honored to uh yep to be here. Yeah. So yeah, we're actually chatting about doing a lot of really cool content for you guys in regards to different herb uh, pieces. Uh, Richard maybe coming in and doing like a spiel on different herbs and how we can use those and interact with them. Uh, maybe we'll even get uh, Richard's uh, uncle, great uncle Milan to come in. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, want nice. Milan to tell you a story about herbs. Very, oh, I can came... tell you what you need to know everything about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's out there. He's on YouTube. Uh, Richard's uncle, uh, Milan, Slovenian. 
good uh, good guy. <laughs> he knows some stuff. He knows some things about herbs. He he likes herbs. He tells you about them. I can't do the accent nearly as good as you. Right but anyways, yeah. So we'll have you back to talk about that, and then I'm going to even do some pieces. I think on different uh, foods and prepping, and specifically like uh, some skills. So I'm gonna. I was thinking how, in ways I could add to those little installments. So we'll throw them out there via newsletter, special content for you guys in some way. But uh, yeah, man. Well done. Thank you for being here. Thank you. And uh, I guess tell folks if they're looking to do. I mean, obviously. For you, your work is, is locally in London as of right now. I know you yeah. also work with students through the naturopathic school, but how mm-hmm. can uh, individuals look you up and how to find any stuff you guys are doing? Yeah, uh, right. we have a website called Village Naturopath. And you say we, com. it's you, you My and wife, your wife. My wife, Christina, yeah. right, she's yeah. also a naturopath. Yep. Yep. And hopefully you'll have her on the show. Yeah, for sure. Talking about the reptilian brain and some cool stuff like that. Yes, um, totally. Yeah, villagenaturopaths.com is basically our clinic uh website um there are some links to how you can get in touch with us if you wanted to explore some options in terms of you know how to rewild in a guided and conscientious way yeah in this crazy modern world so thank you guys very much for listening out there please check out the website we're gonna have the show notes up with all the links to everything we chatted about and until next time stay wild Thank you for listening to the Rewild My Bio podcast. Please subscribe to the show and leave a five-star rating if you've enjoyed this episode. I would greatly appreciate it if you shared the show with your friends, if of course you think they would like it. You can also visit rewildmybio.com to download previous episodes and sign up for the newsletter. In the newsletter, I share blogs and bonus content from my health promotion research, along with practical tips to help you rewild in a modern world. Please follow along on Instagram and Facebook at RewildMyBio and on Twitter at Sean Slade. Thank you so much for listening and until next time, stay wild.